Hello and welcome back to the Meraki Unboxed podcast. My name's Simon Thompson, host of the show, and really happy to have you back with us once again. Uh, let's just remind you that with Meraki Unboxed, uh, what we're trying to achieve here is a mix of talking tech, some of the stuff that we actually sell here, the products and features that we make here at Cisco Meraki, but also getting into some of the elements of working in this business. And we like to think that a lot of this content would be relevant to uh, really any business that's out there. There's certainly topics that we think uh, really impact every single workplace out there, not just here in the tech world. And today we've got a really exciting uh, conversation lined up talking about diversity and inclusion in the workplace, something which is very near and dear to our hearts here at Cisco Meraki. Now, I've been with Meraki for quite a long time now, and one of the things I really love about coming into work every day is how welcoming this place feels to everybody who works with us here in the office, but also uh, out in our regions as well. And one thing I definitely learned through my time here is that this stuff doesn't happen by accident. It does take a lot of careful consideration, really thinking about the, the details that go into making a workplace as welcoming and inclusive as it can be. So that's really what we wanted to get into today. And to take us into that discussion, I'm going to introduce you to Denise, who is our chief of staff here at Cisco Meraki. Uh, so Denise, how are you doing today? Great. All right. Awesome. That's a good start. Let's get things over <laughs> to you and uh, we'll take it from there. Thank you. Great. Thanks, Simon. Excited to do this podcast. Uh, really excited to talk to our guest, uh, Tiffany Stevenson. And Tiffany is the Global VP of Talent and Belonging at Box. And her charge at Box is to, to make sure that all boxers have an incredible career experience from the moment they start to the moment that even all the way through the moment that they become an alum of the, the company. So really making sure that folks really feel that connection and that belonging. So I'm excited to hear what it's like to have a job like that. And I'm also really thrilled to, to engage in a really thoughtful conversation with you about inclusion and belonging. Thank you so much. It's such a joy to be here. And this is one of my passion topics. So, so excited. So to start us off, I am super curious about how you come to this work. Uh, I took a peek at your LinkedIn. I LinkedIn stalked you uh, <laughs> and, you know, saw all the different career, the, the career tra trajectory, marketing, starting with hospitality, marketing, then ending <laughs> up in L&D and then ending up at this role at Box. And I want to hear that story. Wow, that would probably be seven podcasts. I'm going to try to <laughs> um, make it tweet-sized. Um, I think at the end of the day, what really inspires me is around creating an environment where people feel like they can do and be their best. And I think that that has been the one common thread, whether it was in the hospitality side where you take people from all different backgrounds who want to work together to create the most incredible stay and experience for the guests who come and stay, moving all the way through, sort of thinking about how does that core people strategy that invites that type of warmth and excitement match with the business strategy got me really excited about thinking about how those ideas come together. And I've just been really grateful to have roles where I always get to think about that. So on the financial services side with training and development combined with marketing, it was making sure our brokers felt great about what we sell and why we sell and why it matters to then coming into Sephora where I got to really wholly focus on not just uh, learning and development, which is how I started, but starting to think about how do we create a community and a culture where everyone feels like they can do their best, be their best. Again, doesn't matter your background. 
We can teach you to run an incredible business and have an awesome career. And by you doing that, you create an, uh, an environment where everyone feels like they, that is possible. And so that kind of got me thinking about how does that sort of tie into belonging? And so what are those common threads that unite a learning and development strategy with um, us looking at talent and being able to plan with a long-term view and see that the thread of belonging and feeling like you're comfortable enough to be vulnerable, to learn and to push yourself, that we can create the right opportunities and channels to do it. So that's kind of how all these threads came together. And then about a year ago, Box reached out about this incredible opportunity to really think about all of these holistically in one clean role. And I never knew that it was possible that in the talent space that I could look at um, everything from learning and development to our talent processes and have this common thread of belonging in a truly distributed model. And to do it in a culture like Box couldn't make me any more excited. Um, so that's sort of my journey, but it's all been with that same common thread around this idea of community and belonging and creating a space where people can do their jam. Wow. It, it, you know, I think we think a lot about this work and a lot of times people want to silo it and they want to say, okay, inclusion and diversity work and belonging work sits over here. Right. And the rest of our business strategy and thinking sits over there. Totally. And, and it becomes like a it becomes really difficult for, for most businesses to have so many focus areas, right? Like, That's right. You know, we have one set of outcomes. We're all driving towards it together. And if That's inclusion right. isn't sitting right in the middle of that, threading it together, it becomes, it doesn't do what the organization wants it to do. Exactly. Right? And yeah. I think definitely, you know, we're certainly not commenting from the finish line, right? Yeah. It's like this is work that's constantly ongoing. But I, the way that you're describing it makes me just ask a, a follow-up, yeah. which is like how at Meraki, how do you think about diversity and inclusion with that framing in mind? Like what, is it, what does it mean? Yeah, I think we're lucky to, to sort of sit within the larger Cisco ecosystem where yeah. they have been thinking about inclusion for a while now. And, you know, I think as with most companies, started with this idea, like followed the industry where diversity was around representation. Right. Do I have, you know, X number of purple people, right. you know, like <laughs> the purple people count. Uh, and, you know, really trying to look at it in that way and then sort of moving to a to a thinking around inclusion, like mm -hmm. how are people feeling? Do they get a sense of belonging? That's and right. the strategy at Cisco is is on an arc that goes beyond that, that says, all right, if we have belonging, how do we turn that into true collaboration? Right. How do we turn it into true decision-making and, and business impact? And I know I hear a lot of times this conversation that says, okay, well, diversity is, you know, getting invited to the dance and then inclusion is you know being asked to dance and i think when we think about what this really does for us at cisco we get to this third piece where you enable technology and collaboration and i liken it to you get to determine the dance venue and you get right. to determine the music the and the playlist yes. and the invites and the decoration that's and right. the ambiance cuz at the end of the day that's sort of where we're headed right yes. uh taking what we've got which is amazing technology out in the world yeah. and using it to actually create a bridge to fairness 
inclusion and equity in the workplace. And, you know, at Cisco, we think about it even beyond, like in communities. How do we build a bridge between communities that are in need and communities that are thriving? Like how do we create environments to that benefit not just some, but environments that benefit all? I, I, I think we're lucky to be a part of a company that's, that's really trying to push that, 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 that trajectory of inclusion and belonging mm-hmm. to get to a place of real, true collaboration and business and outcome. Absolutely. That absolutely resonates for me. And I think yeah. it's really talking about reaping the benefits of bringing such a diverse group of people together. Yeah. And that's the true value that unlocks a lot. I mean, at Box, we definitely, our mission is like we want to power how the world works together and through collaboration. And certainly our platform is one way that we're able to deliver it. But it's all of the sort of progressive behaviors and actions together of how we work together, yeah. how we think about our business, how we think about the customers we serve in the broader community mm-hmm. that really enables the best of breed like platform design, thinking, yeah. ideation, and that comes through diversity. Yeah. So totally that resonates for me. Yeah, yeah. Why why get folks in the door and get them feeling at home if you're not going to leverage. leverage it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, you know, bringing inclusion and threading it all the way through at Box. I'm curious yeah. to hear, you know, I think a lot of times when people are listening to this, they want to know, well, like, how does it actually work? Like, what do you do? How do you put this at the center of a business strategy? Mm -hmm. So I'd love to hear how that works there. Yeah. I'll start at sort of a meta point, which is, um, you know, it has to be born from sort of the company's authentic sort of mission and purpose, because anything else feels like it's like additive. And it's almost like we were talking about before. It's like an aisle or a Mm -hmm. stream versus it being really integrated into how you think about your business. Um, And so at the meta level, I would say one of the things that I love and what drew me to Box is there's a clear sense of if we believe we want to power how the world works together, what are the values that underlie that, that actually bring that to life? And Mm so there are two values that I think we've really spent a lot of time thinking about, like how do we on a day-to-day basis really make this happen? And so the two values are um, make mom proud, um, oh my gosh, is, it's amazing. I know, it, makes, it brings me one. joy. Yeah. And of course, it's a <laughs> metaphor for whoever you want to yeah. make proud in your life. Yeah. But then also we have bring your blank self to work. Yeah. And with both of these, it implies one that... One implies a sense of responsibility and mindset. And we know that to be in the business of belonging and inclusion, so much of it is the mindset that then drives your actions. And so that make mom proud value is something that we really spend a lot of time talking about. And the other being bring your blank self to work. And that means that not only um, do I understand who I am and all of the experiences that I've had throughout my life, um, my upbringing from what I've seen and experienced in other companies, but that I don't just lock that in a box and then I come to work, I mean, metaphorically, lock it in a box, but um, you don't just lock it and tuck it away somewhere, but that you actually bring that into a conversation and you use that to challenge and to push thinking and to to reap benefit. And so I think they both kind of speak to this idea that it takes mindset 
mindset and action together to really drive sustainable change. A couple of examples of some ways that we've put this together is um, if we look at our three business objectives for the year, one of them that's really key is enable boxers everywhere to do their best work. And that's a corporate objective. That's Mm -hmm. not an HR-driven objective. And so it really calls us to think about where we're making investment. The second thing is like using the values as a framework. We've actually created um, training and awareness around this idea of what does Make Mom Proud actually mean? It sounds like very, it could be, you know, interpreted as something that's kind of loosey-goosey. And we've really started to dive into the behaviors of what really drives that so that there is shared understanding. So there is a global Make Mom Proud training program that all 2,000 folks are going through um, this year. And then also we use those values and the underlying behaviors as a performance mechanism. So it's actually something that we measure our performance and impact against. So um, taking it from mindset to action, we think actually is a great way to sort of help drive that shared understanding and that sense of accountability. And then, of course, you know, there's other things that we're really excited about working on. Um, We've actually very recently launched a diversity and inclusion council um, made up of um, senior leaders across all sides of our business. And what's been great about that is that it takes the sense of shared ownership, which is one of our values, be an owner, and making sure that we're enabling that with all of the tools that, whether it's reporting information, Mm -hmm. um, our boxer experience survey where we get great feedback, but really literally putting it in the hands of the leaders who actually are empowered to do the right thing, to make that right decision and drive that engagement and awareness down to the functional area. So there's that's sort of how we're thinking about it. But what I love is that it always ties back to that those two meta ideas of make mom proud, bring your blank self to work. And then our job is just to make sure that the systems and infrastructure are there to help support and enable it. Yeah. I you know what I love about bring your blank self is that it gives you it gives you an opportunity to define what that is for you. Totally. Right. I think for some people, they're like, bring it all to work. But you know, culturally and experience wise, that might not be what resonates, right? Like the thing that feels most comfortable might be, you know, bringing this amount or, you know, bringing this version of myself maybe to work and giving people the opportunity to opt into how much that, that feels, that feels great to be able to state it in that way. I think we're going to have to steal that. (laughs) Steal away. Yeah, we're going to steal that. I'm like, the one thing about (laughs) D&I work is like, it's the one thing that you don't need to trade secret because you really want the world to win. And it wins by having these common discussions and safe space to really have these discussions. So I hold nothing about D&I secret. We really want to make sure that everyone wins. Yeah, I think that's (laughs) in in sort of... Talking about this at a leadership level and, you know, sort of within the business, I, I, I think there's like, you know, in, in other places in a business environment, you're, you're out there to be a hero. Like, right. <laughs> I saw this thing for my customer and I solved it and we're going to win <laughs> by doing this. Yeah. And this is a, I think for companies, a real opportunity to create community. That's right. I, I, our CEO um, at Global Mobile Conference um, he kicked off this idea of the multiplier pledge. Like, can you, can we incorporate sponsorship right. into the work that we're doing around inclusion? Right. And it's just not a call from Chuck, but it's really a call to like 
all folks in his position to right. say, you know, what are we doing as leaders to right. to sponsor? Because we know that when we do have sponsorship, we have different outcomes. Exactly. Uh, and and the idea that corporations are are feeling a sense of responsibility for, you know, addressing maybe things that were systemic that they That's had right. nothing to do with in some instances. Yeah. Uh, and it's just really an opportunity for business to play a different role in leveling a playing field and allowing allowing talent to, to come from anywhere. Uh, really living to that principle that genius knows no zip code. I love it. Uh, and, and, and when we think about it, a colleague of mine at Cisco said, you know, we're going to build bridges to brilliance. And if we do that, right. you know, we, we can change the world like one corporate desk job <laughs> exactly. at a time. Right. Exactly. It really shows the power of moving from just intention to attention. Yeah. yeah. And I think that most most people have the right intention and they and, you know, theoretically can wrap their mind around like the importance of this work and where it can fall off the rails is where are we then putting our attention? attention. And so what are the yeah. activities that we're doing to drive this? And are we really making this a team sport? Um, yeah. And that's literally what it's going to take to really create these long-term systemic changes. Yeah. So that's totally, it's something that I think is a core part of how I think our social responsibility working in tech has to work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about in one of the comments that you made is just Thinking about, um, and it was around the bring your blank self to work, but just recognizing that there's so many aspects to what makes somebody a unique person. Mm -hmm. And this idea that, um, you know, I am... I identify as a woman. I identify as an African-American woman. I identify as an African-American woman who grew up on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, so there's all these things that make me kind of who I am. And this idea of intersectionality yeah. becomes um, so important in sort of driving some of this work. And just would love to hear from your experience, like, how does intersectionality play a role here at, at Meraki? Yeah, I, I, that... That feeling always really resonates with me, and I and I am so thankful for that language around intersectionality because it kind of I was like, yeah, that thing, that's the thing I've yeah. been feeling sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I grew up, I I grew up in Jamaica. I'm Jamaican. Mm -hmm. uh, I so I'm an immigrant. Yep. I uh, I am black, and I am a woman, and then I'm a parent. Mm -hmm. uh, I am a transplant to California, yeah. and like all of these layers really determine how I how I perceive a situation or how I navigate right. things. Right. right. Uh, and so when when we think about it here, we've been really trying to understand. Uh, the experience that happens when all of those layers mm -hmm. sit in an organization. That's right. Right? So I liken it like I'm like sitting in a lot of bridge metaphors. So now the, the Cisco marketing team can say that I have officially <laughs> embraced our bridge to possibility <laughs> language. But I almost think of intersectionality as a bridge, right? Like we have these mm -hmm. identities and we start on one side. I can hold in any given day, oh, I'm a woman. And then on the other side of it, I mm -hmm. can hold like, oh, I'm a black person. Mm -hmm. And 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 if a company is building solutions that kind of is trying to address these things separately, what usually happens is that they, it doesn't close the gap, 
Right. And so what happens is like the women things get to a certain space right. and the black things get to a certain place. And when they don't actually connect, there is no way to bridge like the experience that I'm having. It ends up right. with like a big hole in the middle. Right. And when we look at our community experience, we take a look at those intersections based on the data that we have, right, that employees have volunteered to us. And and what we do know is that if our strategies or our solutions are not driving to a similar experience at the layering, then we haven't, we haven't, we're, we're not close to the finish line, right? right. Uh, and our, our BU leader, um, so my boss, Todd Nightingale, like we've had a lot of conversations about that, that like your strategy for engaging women mm-hmm doesn't always capture like what someone who is a woman of color or even an underrepresented woman of color or a transgendered woman right. of color that's like right. it's not capturing all of it or someone that's you know we really think about full spectrum diversity so someone who is suffering from a mental illness is not going to get covered by by the strategies that you just laid out around gender or ethnicity or, or parent status um, or orientation or any of those things. So the goal is to create a culture of belonging that, that allows all of that to show up, whether you're identifying one day one day or identifying another or you're sitting in a room and the collections of your identities are f- making you feel somewhat like you don't belong. If we solve it only sitting in one, we haven't solved it. Yeah, and completely. Agree. And it's a great, like, it's great. Like when we read out our thing, we're like, oh, we move the needle on women. We see the <laughs> engagement level and then we cut it and we go, whoa, OK. <laughs> you know, we have some we have some things to try to explore. Like what That's are right. some solutions for that? Uh, and and it's great to like really think about, like, how do you do that yeah. at a company at scale when there's so many different identities that people can kind of show up with? Completely agree. Yeah. yeah, it's something that we've spent a lot of time thinking about in the sense of, and I think that our employee resource group communities have been such champions in helping us think this way and starting to make a transition from sort of as my employee resource group community, I'm going to drive programming that's very geared towards um, sort of one clear lane to like, what if we actually partner these two yeah. um, ideas together? And so like last quarter, we were so excited. We came up with this idea of um, working together on quarterly stories and quarterly mm-hmm. focuses. And so last quarter, our focus was um, thinking about um, the future starts today. And what are all those stories that we want to amplify around the future starting today? And one of them was around underrepresentation of people in, of people of color in STEAM-related careers. Yeah. And we saw incredible partnership from our Box Women's Network and from our Black Employee Resource Group yeah. and Latinx around, like, how would we actually address that holistically? Um, and this quarter, we're focusing on the power of personal storytelling and just this idea that stories really matter. They convey meaning. And um, we just recently celebrated a a great story that we shared around our Asian Pacific Islander group partnering with our vets at Box. And 
telling the story of um, second generation Japanese um, so, um, soldiers, uh, second generation um, who fought in World War II and really amplifying that story of like, if you think about their unique journey in the US and some of the challenges they had, but also yeah. still rallying around a sense of purpose around still wanting to fight and defend and a great documentary that came out of it. But what I love about this idea of the collaboration, which is so right. core to who we are, is that whether you're talking about a story about who you are as a person outside of work or the collective struggles that might be impacting more adversely one group over the other, yeah. creating that safe space where you can have those dialogues, I think, is really helping to push conversation forward. Yeah. So super excited about that. Yeah. Uh, we, we, tr we get our EROs leadership together once a month to really hone in on things like that like where are there opportunities for us to to partner like if we're bringing in someone to talk about inclusion or if we're bringing in just a speaker to address the organization around whatever topic it is how are we making sure that we have thoughtful representation mm -hmm. around around that uh, and and I think in the beginning, people were like, okay, well, you know, how are we going to do this work together? Right. Uh, and then you get to a place like once a year during Women's History Month, we run this conference across the scope called Women of Impact Day. And you have an opportunity to do programming on sites. And so we did one, one year we did programming and, and had a workshop around um, about around orientation and gender, mm -hmm. right? And and it was one of those things where we thought, why aren't we talking about all the different ways that, that you know, all the different identities that women have? Like, That's right. Like, we go in there and we just talk about women. <laughs> uh, but the reality is, is that people experience gender really differently depending on, mm -hmm. on, on their backgrounds and, right. and, and things like that. So... Uh, trying to always broaden the conversation even when people feel like the conversation is somewhat narrow. That's right. It is the continuous work here. Mm -hmm. Like saying, oh, have you connected those two dots? Like, how about we get in here? Yeah. Um, we're lucky enough to have an ERO called Mosaic, which mm -hmm. is not rooted in any sort of particular experience, but it's rooted in the idea that like all these different experiences are, are worth exploring like in that. the workplace and I think for the most part they've been trying to figure out like, like how do we do that effectively so mm -hmm. a couple months ago we had a conversation about intersectionality and we said well like why don't you why don't you let that be your charter at Meraki like right. bring that to us I love um, it. and so they're kind of trying to figure out how to think about it but it like it was like an interesting solution to trying to trying to bring that conversation more to the forefront in the work that we're doing around inclusion. It has to be counted. Like yeah. those stories matter and those experiences matter. And so creating a space where those can live is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So talk a little bit about the industry. Like mm. I think if we see one more article about how tech <laughs> has failed <laughs> in inclusion, I mean, if I had a dollar for every one of those, yeah. let's just say I would have a very big house in the Bay Area. <laughs> um, like, what do you think the industry is missing here? You know, I, I I spent a lot of time thinking about this, and again, as I stated from the beginning. You know, we're not speaking from the finish line. You know, mm -hmm. this this work is ongoing work. And so I think 
some of the things that I think the tech industry still needs to really grapple with and, and really soak in its spirit <laughs> mm-hmm. is that diversity without inclusion is a fool's errand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's so many efforts around um, recruiting, which yeah. I love. Like, you have to do that. There is definitely a systematic need to make sure that you're opening up uh, top of the funnel opportunities mm-hmm. to meet and, and, and know great talent. And if you don't have the inclusion and the belonging and the efforts around creating a great workplace for every person you bring in, they're leaving. And so it becomes this like perpetual cycle where you don't really get to see the representation. And so, you know, you if your workplace is, is struggling, um, then it's not going to be great for anyone, let yeah. alone bringing in um, diverse talent. And so really being aware. And so when I talked about the Make Mom Proud training, one of the things we love about that is we really talk about this idea of blind spots Mm -hmm. and that no one comes to work. I mean, hopefully no one comes to work with the express um, desire to make someone else's day hard and give them obstacles that they can't overcome. Yet sometimes through our actions, that's exactly the net effect that we can have on someone else. And so if we don't spend time as a company really being clear and getting close to where those blind spots might be for us, then the less likely when we bring someone in that we've created a space where they can really bring their blank selves and really outperform. And so I think that that is one of the things that I think the tech industry could do better at is really understanding those drivers of what makes someone ultimately feel like they belong, that their voice is being heard, that they're growing and developing. So I think that's one. Um, I also think um, this idea, uh, when there's been so many conversations on diversity of thought, and that is the net impact. So everything that you said is the net impact of having um, the reason why you want to have diverse perspectives. I think sometimes that overshadows the underlying need of having diverse representation. And so the idea that diverse representation is one, not the only, but one really key and important driver to netting out diverse thought is having different people on your team approaching that same thing. It creates that healthy tension. It creates sometimes the conflict, but it, it nets out in probably the best idea and studies show that time and time again. So I think it's easy to kind of feel like the data feels overwhelming and it's like, oh my gosh, I can't even move this a tenth of a percent, but it's still worth pursuing and pushing and finding because as you said, when you get all of these minds in the room, it nets out a better experience. And we have important problems to crack in the tech industry. And if you don't have those diverse representatives, they're all hacking at it, you could very easily create something that doesn't have the longevity that it needs to have. Um, and then I think the last thing that I that I think about is like DNI is a team sport. Yeah. And I think yeah. that we sometimes over-index to our employee resource groups mm-hmm. as being the like the heroes and the only ones who will save the company. And yeah. look, these folks are like trying to do their day job and, and they're trying to carry some of the needs and the yeah. issues and concerns. And so we sometimes over-rotate there instead of it being fully distributed or it's like an HR um, problem and yeah. it's a team sport. And every action that we do, and so at Box we say culture is a verb. It's it's something yeah. that you do. Yeah. And so every action that you take is either 
reinforcing um, this idea that culture and diversity and inclusion is important yeah. or it's not. And so everyone can can play a role in reinforcing the culture that people will see and experience and decide ultimately if it's worth um, their time, energy, and talent. So yeah. I think those are some of the things. How about for you? Yeah, similar. I think when we think about the responsibility of owning our culture, like every single employee that works here today or used to work here or one day will work here since they only come in three buckets, <laughs> um, they they own this thing, yeah. right? And yeah. we all have a responsibility. Now, leadership definitely has a responsibility of totally. putting it clearly in the focus and the priority of what we're doing. So when we think about inclusion, we put it in the heart of our strategy. It's we have OKRs, it is in there. Um, you know, we're thinking about how we evaluate, you know, promote, select, um, reward, leaders for behavior that demonstrates a sense of inclusion it's in there how how are they holding our values how are they Mm -hmm. making sure that our culture is 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 people are feeling that they're creating a space for that to happen Mm -hmm. right we look at our employees and you're right like that gap between intention and impact Mm -hmm. sometimes there's a gap there that's right and what do you like how do employees learn how to navigate through a space that might feel difficult. Mm -hmm. Like giving people the tools to have conversations and feedback to say, hey, Tiffany, when you said this thing (laughs) or when you assumed this thing, it really made me feel like I wasn't seen, I wasn't respected, I wasn't heard, or Mm -hmm. I wasn't appreciated. Like how do you arm people with that language? Mm -hmm. A couple, I think maybe it was two years ago, we ran the entire organization through um, feedback training Mm -hmm. because we're like feedback is not just one like the thing that a that a boss does to a direct report. It's right. like it goes up, sideways, all around. All and in around. order to build a culture mm-hmm. that feels right mm-hmm. for all, that's right. We have to be able to correct mm-hmm. behaviors or gaps between intention and impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year, our go forward strategy, we have you know ally training that folks can opt into to say, mm-hmm. hey, I might not know how to do this. Right. Great. Come to the training. We'll run through scenarios and you're not going to walk out a perfect ally, right. but you'll know how to sit a little bit in the discomfort when you haven't. That's or right. you'll you'll know and recognize, hey, I have this privilege. And all of a sudden that privilege makes me be able to navigate the situation differently. Mm-hmm. How do I take that privilege and give it to somebody else in a way that doesn't diminish them or is patronizing to them, but really empowers them, right? So we have we have things that 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 members of our community can tap into so that way they can help us build the culture that that supports them, but it, to help us build the culture that we all deserve. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and so we've, you know, I think what's great too about Cisco, there's a whole collection of solutioning that we can bring to this equation around mm-hmm. how do we, how do we democratize the ownership of our culture? I love that. I think that that is, that is literally the premise of our Make Mom Proud training and, and recognizing that it l- literally belongs to everyone. And um, I love the, the idea of the, creating um, the language because sometimes it is as easy as like I just need the language because I see things that maybe make me uncomfortable but I don't know how to address them and I love that you're putting all of that emphasis there. Um, One of the things that I thought was sort of a surprising highlight was 
we not only talked about like how to give the feedback, but also how to and receive, receive the feedback. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, yeah. I was so encouraged to say, you know, when we had people really like sitting in that space where they had to hear the feedback and recognizing that the critter brain in all of us, our amygdala, yeah. is has this natural fight or flight response. Yeah. Just realizing like, wow, I really get to decide how I'm going to show up in this moment. And so have I really taken a moment to hear and understand and validate and acknowledge the concern and where it comes from and um, so that I can be in a, in a more helpful space to like finish this conversation and help to make sure that I have the clarity so I don't do it again. Yeah. Um, but I, I definitely think that those types of investments really help to reinforce a culture where you make it safe, not for perfection, but yes. that we have a system of like when things do happen, there are some very natural ways that we as a team can address it together. And it's okay. And that's yeah. like one of our, another one of our values is be candid and assume positive intent. Yeah. Like again, the intent is there, but I still am going to need to be candid so that we can um, have this conversation and move forward. Yeah. Like there's <laughs> a part of the, of what we say here, like we're never done getting better. No. And oh, if goodness, you no. can hold that, <laughs> like mm-hmm. never done getting better, yeah. then then you can actually sit in a moment that is difficult. Right. I think if you hold I am I am a I am a done product right. <laughs> <laughs> then then it it becomes really difficult to be yeah. able to to sort of withstand a moment where the thing that you might have believed to be true may mm-hmm. not be true, Absolutely. or the or the intention you wanted to hold didn't really land well, uh, and and I think one of the things that we're trying to 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 sit in a bit here is is this idea around vulnerability at work. Mm-hmm. It is the path to creating safety. That. It is not something that impedes that from happening. Right. So our leaders uh, this week were talking about inclusion and trying to talk about it in a really personal way, saying, hey, here's how I personally come to this work. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't an easy moment for them. Like mm-hmm. They were like, should I tell these stories about myself? Should mm-hmm. I tell these stories about my family? Mm-hmm. And And it was... It's a good moment because then people can feel like, hey, if I've done something wrong, I now have a leader that has shown up and said, hey, I've made some mistakes around this and I'm going to make more mistakes around it. But what we have is a community where we're never done getting better. Right. And we're willing to sit and be in in a process together Mm -hmm. to build a workplace that works for all. And and sometimes I think that's what the industry gets wrong. Mm-hmm. They really think that it's a one and done. Right. They're like, okay, boom. I, I did that. I did these recruiting events. I did this other thing. I right. made these trainings. My leaders are good. Mm-hmm. I checked all of these boxes. Mm-hmm. But it is, if we managed our business strategy in that way, right. we would all be out of business. That's it. So That's it. When, when we think about it, you know. You are an experienced practitioner, but, you know, we're like I'm coming into it from sort of a business leader's perspective Mm -hmm. and saying, if I wouldn't run my business strategy that Mm -hmm. way, why would I think that the thing that makes people show up to do their best work Mm -hmm. can be managed in any other way? Exactly. Uh, And and I and I think we're really committed to trying to be in it every day for the learning and the growing and the stretching and sometimes the tears and, yeah. Uh, yeah. and, and sometimes like that sense of like, wow, in that moment we got it right. And I think that it, what, you're, what you're saying really describes 
how we approach all sides of the business. So why would this be any different? Why would it be any different? And I definitely think that for me, one of the things that's been really exciting um, on seeing our uh, leader, our senior leaders really get engaged with this diversity um, council idea is that they're hacking this the way that they hack any product that they're building. They want to understand the drivers. They want to understand yep. what's our goal. I mean, they're literally approaching it like any product that we're about to launch. And I think seeing that energy and seeing the sense of experimentation yep. is how we have built the most incredible platform that we're so proud of. And so I know that this series and this thought process and this energy and, okay, and we have we have another one that says, Take uh, another value that says um, take risks, fail fast, GSD. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're taking some risks. We're trying some things from a recruiting perspective. And we're going to learn. We're going to fail fast, but we're going to move the ball forward. And that energy is like definitely what I think we're going to need if we really want to be, if we really want to walk the walk that. we that we believe in our hearts that we do so maybe that's what we should be reminding tech leadership Mm -hmm. like this if the valley is about experimentation that's right why wouldn't we lean into it here exactly and in in the spirit of holding a better space for people that's right uh and and i am so excited that you took time out of your busy day Right uh, to come <laughs> come chat with us about something that's really important to us at at Cisco and definitely super important to us at 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 Meraki. So Tiffany, thank you. Thank you. This was a joy, and would love to exchange any time. <laughs> hey, uh, this has been an amazing conversation, and uh, I'm actually I'm, I'm I'm kind of minded to throwing a bit of a curveball. We hadn't planned this, but I'm oh. gonna I'm gonna have a go here. Um, I, I imagine that that this topic. I mean, it's it's incredibly deep, and there's there are so many different dimensions to it. Um, what I'm wondering is for for anybody who's been listening and is wondering how they can maybe initiate or get started on this journey. Maybe they haven't had the opportunity yet to really get into this in a in a meaningful way. Um, whether either of you have any thoughts around, you know, how how people could get started with this. Great question. Um, There is a group of folks over in Oakland, uh, Project Include, and I think it's a great way for folks to like begin to educate themselves, especially leadership, on how they might create a space that really works works for folks. Um, So that's sort of one of the things that comes to mind to for me. Um, And now I'm totally blanking on her name, which will be terrible, but uh, she is the woman who runs Inclusion, I believe, at Netflix. Um, And yeah, and she has this like really great uh, e-learning series that's about inclusive leadership. And it's about an hour And it really starts for you to understand that every single day motions that are that that build an environment of inclusion. A lot of folks feel like it's this big thing that you got to go and do, but it really is in the small things. How do you set up meetings? How do you share information in meetings? How do you make sure that folks? know what they're supposed to do, and know what success is, 
how do you make sure folks feel expected, respected um, on that first day that they show up to work at your company? Uh, it, it it just really was, it really resonated with our leadership team when we watched it because it made inclusion feel like within reach for folks. And, um, and I am just going to knock myself on the head because I cannot think of <laughs> her find- name right now. We're going to get off this thing and I'm going to be like, ah! <laughs> I would say one of the things that I would challenge any organization to do, and it's this, the good old-fashioned Simon Sinek model of finding your why. Why does this matter for, for, for yep. the organization? How does it further and advance your, your goals? And I think starting from that place, so whether you're re-looking at your values with a fresh perspective, um, really thinking about just that, that, that core at, at its heart. I can speak hand to heart. This is our company who we are, and therefore this is how inclusion and belonging is a natural extension of that. Um, The second thing is to get the facts. So you just want to understand what your State of the Union looks like today. And then I think the other thing is, um, and I think this was something that Denise already mentioned, but this idea of really like digging into your systems. Your systems should be so wildly consistent. Um, And so whether you're looking at how you calibrate performance, um, clear accessibility to like job descriptions and tools and those things should just be clear. And sometimes it's the lack of clarity that creates some of the, the, the spin and noise. And then you can start gut checking around where you have those opportunities, whether it's on the hiring side or the engagement or career development and progression. Yeah, so. I would say, like, I think that's right. Like, getting a strong foundation in place. Right. So that way people know what they're supposed to do, know how success is defined. And and this idea that this is not a I feel, you feel anecdote kind of thing. And the data is there. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at it, like, no one should engage in a, like an inclusion strategy without hiring a data analyst. Mm-hmm. And look at your rates of promotion. Look at how candidates move through the pipeline. Yeah. Um, look at your retention rates. Look at your employee engagement scores. Cut that data different ways. Right. And, and take a data-driven approach. Again, would you go into a business strategy without knowing your total addressable market, without knowing your internal capabilities, right. without understanding like what's your vision, mission, um, strategy? You wouldn't. So why would you do some? Why would you do this work without having the same? Like the most powerful thing that we did at the beginning of this journey for us at Meraki is we invited a company in to look at our systems, look at our processes, look at our data, and help us understand who we were at that time. Mm -hmm. So that way we could take very thoughtful approaches to start on that journey to be the place that we wanted to be, right? Right. And and without that data, it it almost becomes a little bit of poke in the dark Mm -hmm. and you know, one person says this and one person doesn't say that. And Mm -hmm. there's no there's no truth to your strategy there. But so thank you for that. That that we got a whole conversation in inclusion Part without two. talking about data. <laughs> Simon. <laughs> Simon's coming in for killer questions at the end. All right. I love it. No, I think I think uh, we've had a fantastic conversation here, and this is probably a really good spot to start wrapping things up. 
Uh, I really want to thank Tiffany and Denise for our conversation today. This has been incredibly illuminating. Uh, so much to think about here and a lot of takeaways, I think, for all of us to uh, ponder. And of course, that's the beauty of the podcast. You can rewind it back and listen again uh, to any sections you want to get into in more detail. Um, right. So I think it's time we wrap things up now. And I want to thank you all again, of course, for spending time out of your day to join us uh, on the podcast today. Uh, we hope you find it an interesting and engaging experience. Uh, the place, of course, to go and continue the conversation is online at community.meraki.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on the show there and, of course, anything else that you'd like to hear from us in future episodes. If you'd like to reach out to me directly, uh, you can find me online at Meraki Simon on Twitter. And we very much look forward to speaking to you again on the show again very soon. Have a great day.